Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Doing? Oh, there you go. All right, give it up for Bryce in the sound booth. Yes. Um, yeah, forty-eight years. Oh, yes, we have cake and pizza, yes, so if you don't have lunch plans, you're welcome to have some pizza. Um, Well, thank you guys, I appreciate it, I'm a big 48 years old today, man, so young, just a baby, just a baby. Uh, If you're new here, my birthday is every seven years on Sunday, so it's kind of a big deal, kind of a big deal, we're glad you're here. Um, we are in the middle of uh, Philippians, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. Um, it has been a great birthday week. I just also want to give a huge shout out to all the guys who helped in putting this carpet down. Yes. They were working here all week long. We got the overflows done. We're working on the trim, but my goodness, it has been such a blessing for these guys to go in here and, geez, we probably saved about $10,000 in labor. So what an awesome thing. Everybody's talents being used to, you know, equip and make the house of worship better. So thank you guys for your giving. Um, we are still raising money for chairs and almost about there. So you guys are so generous. So thank you guys so much for that. We'll get you the final numbers um, on how we're looking uh, this next week. So anyways, let's go ahead and pray. Um, God, thank you for your word today. Um, Lord, no matter what situation people are in or that we are in or thoughts that we're having or challenges, um, blessings, Lord, wherever we're at, we just pray that your word would speak to us today. God, thank you so much for another year of life, and I just thank you for the life that's in this church, um, in this community, and we pray that you would do amazing things. We pray and welcome your spirit of revival in this church, in our families, in our communities, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Uh, Today we're going to talk about a really unique lesson that Paul shares here in Philippians 4. And he says that no matter what situation that he has faced, no matter what circumstances are in front of him, he's learned a secret. And this secret is really a powerful lesson in our lives. As a matter of fact, I think as a dad, I don't know if you do this, but you think about, okay, my kids are going to be away, they're going to move, they're going to go to college. What lessons do I really want them to grab hold of to prepare them for life? And the lesson that Paul's talking about is actually probably as a father, one of my very top lessons that I want for my kids. So keep that in mind. I think that no matter where you're at, you will enjoy this. But let's see what Paul is talking about, one of his secrets for living. Because truly, Paul has had some ups and downs in his life. He's been shipwrecked. He's been left for dead. He's been beaten. He's seen God do a miracles. So the author of this book really has a lot of unique insights in what he's talking about. So let's go ahead and start in verse 10 of Philippians 4. This is the English Standard Version. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. 
And I just want to stop there. I rejoice in the Lord greatly. What an amazing lesson that Paul is giving us just in this one point. He's in prison, and he's writing to the churches of Philippi. Um, Ephroditus has given him a gift, and he just is like, man, I just rejoice in the Lord. He says, now that I, now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation, I am to be content. Say content. Content. What a powerful Sunday. You're like, oh, I see where this is going. What am I doing? Verse 12, he says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, absence and need. I am to be content. That's the lesson that Paul's learned. No matter what circumstances, no matter what situation, in plenty or need, I am to be content. And I like that he used the word learned. That this is a learning process. This isn't just a, hey, if I, if I could teach you contentment, come on up, let's pray for you. Like a little quick, little fun prayer and we're all content. We can go home. But that's not what contentment looks like. Contentment is a learned process. And some of you guys are like professionals, right? You're in the teaching field or you're real estate professionals or you're accountants. And you have this thing called continuing education, right? (laughs) You get that email and you're like, oh, shoot, I got to go to continuing education. Because every year, every four years, every five years, you have to freshen up on the lessons that are most important in your field. And in the field of life, contentment is a lesson that we have to freshen up on. We have to continue education on this. So let's just back up a second. If I were to ask you, what does the Bible say that we need in order to be content? If the Bible were to give us, you know, like a list, hey, if you have this and this, you should be content. Let's check that out. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. It says, but godliness and contentment is great gain. It's interesting that these two are paired together, right? You think of godliness, acting a certain way, not using certain language, dressing a certain way, not, you know, participating in certain activities. Like, there's a level of godliness. But to think about godliness and contentment, they're on the same page. He says, we brought nothing in this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. I think that's a really weak list. (laughs) Food and clothing? (sighs) At least you could put borrows in that list, I guess. That's food, right? (laughs) Um, It says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Have you seen people so hungry for riches, so hungry for fame, so hungry for something of the world, and it leads them down to a path of destruction? Have you seen people like that? that that's a lot. And so I think that's for, as a father, like I really, really want my children to find a level of contentment in life, in what God has them to do and has them to be. 
rich people or people who want to be rich do fall into temptation. It's not that money is evil, but that, that heart to be wealthy or that heart to have a lot. Not being satisfied with what you have leads to stress and anxiety, right? If you really want something bad in this culture, we can just charge it. <laughs> you can finance it. You can easy low payment. But man, I have learned that lesson. I think everybody's learned the lesson of the stress and the pressure that debt causes us. Imagine a life where somebody is completely content. Could you imagine the amount of peace that that person would have if they're okay with what they have, if they accept their lot in life? Like that, that really is an amazing gift. But I think in our country, we have the, you know what, I'm happy, I'm okay, but man, if I just really had fill in the blank, if I, if, if I just had a better car, if I just had this type of house, if I could live in this place, if my kids would be like this, <laughs> if I could have relationships like this, whatever that fill in the blank is, then I'd be happy. Or you think about, man, if I had a job that would make this amount of money, I would really be happy. Like, I would be so happy, there'd be no reason for me to ever want to raise. For some of us, living in the 80s, that number that you put in that category <laughs> would not work in today's economy, right? Right? So, I think it's interesting in, in Ecclesiastes 1.8, it says this. It says, no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. Um, anybody know who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes? It was King Solomon. So David, the guy who beat Goliath, he had a son, Solomon. And he was one of the wisest and wealthiest men on the planet. His net worth, if you Google up the net worth of King Solomon, it says it was 2.1, not million, not billion, but trillion. $2.1 trillion is what King Solomon was worth. So you'd think that he would have said something like, hey, after you get to $100 million, you're pretty much totally satisfied, 100% content, you'll want nothing more. Like, he does not say that. He says even at $2 trillion, he says, no matter what, you're never content. Isn't that interesting? So there's this natural tendency to always want more. But then on the spiritual side, it says, hey, there is great gain to be content. There is great gain to be content, to rejoice in the Lord greatly. That is a good thing. When we learn to be content with the tools that God gives us, the talents that God gives us. And listen to me clearly. I am all about further education and reading and learning and taking the tools to better your life. I love that. But there are certain times where it's like, okay, no matter how hard I learn to sing better, it's going to come out bad. <laughs> I can't sing better. My wife wishes I could, but I really can't. Like, I, there, there's a certain level to where I have to be content with the people around me, with the family that God's given me, with, with my resources, with what God's given me, I can be happy and content in that. I saw this one meme. I thought it'd be fun to share it. You guys want a little fun meme? 
It says, when God gives you the tools, but you're still trying to do it your way. <laughs> He's carrying that wheelbarrow, right? Sometimes God gives us tools, and they're for our own good. Philippians uh, 4.2, it says, I am just as happy with little as with much, Paul says earlier in this, in this letter. He says, with much or with little, I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. He says he has learned that no matter what situation, no matter what his circumstances are. And I thought about, like, I have never learned to be happy or content being hungry. Like, I've never been put in a situation, don't laugh, <laughs> where, like, I don't have any food to eat. And there's times when I come home and I peek in the fridge, I go to the pantry, and I'm like, we have nothing to eat, right? And if you translate that, that means there's nothing yummy to eat or everything that we have requires me cooking. Henceforth, we have nothing to eat. <laughs> Can you relate to that? But in this country, like, I have never gone days without food where there's no food available to me. And I have had to learn to be content in that. Like, we as Americans are so, so blessed. We have an abundance of food. We have an abundance of resources. I, I'm ashamed to admit that I have had to learn, this is embarrassing, I've had to learn, like on Thanksgiving Day, not to eat so much that my level of contentment goes down. Like, I'm so full that it causes my body to be irritated. Like, I'm not in, uh, like, that's the lessons that I've learned. Like, learn not to overeat. Like, that's the lessons we have to learn as Americans sometimes. I, I saw this stat, again, we're so blessed in this country. Um, this one columnist, William Blatchy, he says, um, it, it, well, I'll just throw up the little multiple choice questions for you. How many people lack shoes or inadequate footwear in this in this world. Would you guys say it's 3% of people who lack shoes? Anybody for 7.4? Option B? Any, any C takers? 14.2? It's C. He said nearly 1 billion people on the earth, where there's only 7 billion, lack inadequate shoes. Like, think about that. I... I'm embarrassed. Can I, be a, can I be a little vulnerable to you? I went in my closet, and just for fun, I counted all of my shoes, like the work shoes, the slippers, the flip-flops. I have 19 pairs of shoes. What? That's embarrassing. I wonder how many pairs of shoes you guys have. It's a fun little Sunday project. How many? <laughs> the women are like, don't go there. Don't. <laughs> you guys, we have been blessed so, so much. So much that we have a responsibility to do good with it. Um, Paul, Paul, continuing on here, Paul in chapter thir uh, verse 13, this is a very epic verse. A lot of you guys have heard it. Um, he talks about being happy with little or much, and then he goes right into chapter or verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Have you guys heard that verse? Okay. Um, give it up for Reed. He's going to help me with something. Come on up. Him and Lydia are back in town. We missed you guys so much. Okay. Would you say that you're a man of faith? Yeah. 
Would you, would you say that you believe in this in the Bible? I do. You do, okay. So it says, I can do all things through Christ. That's pretty much you. Like, Reed can do all things through Christ. Wouldn't you guys say so? Okay, so uh, Paul, do me a favor. Run up and just open up that back door. Here's the challenge. Since you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, <laughs> we're going to allow you to take a putt, and I want you to go through the door. You're going to hit the welcome desk. It's going to bounce over, hit the chair, and go down the hall to the bathrooms. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Now, here's your big, do you want the yellow ball or the white one? Okay, here you go. Do you guys want to, you want to start here for the platform or you want to go down one level? Okay, here you go, yeah. yeah okay. Don't go from the professional tees. Okay, so cheer him on, guys. He can do all things through, oh, line it up, good, line it up. Okay, here we go. Here's the shot. Paul, you got to tell him if he makes it. Oh, 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 Reed. Oh, now... What happened? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Oh, give it up for Reed. Give it up for Reed. I think you do have enough faith. I think you have a lot of great faith. See, I love this verse. I love this verse. I memorize it. I've hidden it in my heart. But Paul is not talking about this motivational rah-rah verse, right? This is not the secret sauce. So what this verse is not, it's not the, the secret to unlock your potential to have success, or it's not to help you achieve your dreams. The emphasis is not on achievement, but more a willingness to allow God's strength to sustain you. So the problem is that sometimes we take these verses and then we're like, it didn't work. I must not have enough faith. Or if I prayed harder, that would be what I needed. You see, Paul is talking about more like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's almost talking like, you know what, no matter what comes my way, whether I have food or I don't have food, whether I have money or I don't have money, I can get through any circumstance that God puts in my life. Because if you are a Christian, if you've said, Lord, I need your help, you are the Lord of my life, I give you my life, I invite you in my life, his spirit is strong, and he will sustain you no matter what circumstances that you are facing. It's almost like um, you read a book, right, and there's certain chapters where things look really, really bleak, and then this one page when the couple meets or they get married and you're just like, that is so wonderful. And I feel like in life, there's some challenging chapters that we face. There's some seasons or circumstances that we're into and it just looks bleak. It looks hopeless. I was, I've, <laughs> I've had many of these ups and downs and I've shared a little of my story. Um, but there was one time that I took this picture. It was a, a picture of a tree in Verado, and maybe this will speak to you, but God really showed me a lot through it. It's just kind of a, a picture of, it's kind of dreary out, it's like a winter day, and I just thought, at one time, this tree was full of leaves. It was beautiful. It had, I imagine it, its identity was just in the green lushness and the shape of its leaves, and it 
and it brought shade to the people walking by. And it was just a beautiful tree. And then things changed. Seasons changed. And it began to turn colors in its leaves. And then winter hit. And the very thing that it was, it most treasured, the very thing that brought its identity and its beauty is now trash on the floor. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that, where your book, the book of your life, the chapter in your life, the season in your life just looks bleak. Honestly, this is kind of a strange birthday for me because um, it was about this season it was about spring break time that my father passed away. And um, two years later, or two years before, when I was 11 years old, my mom had passed away from cancer. And then two years later, I was 13, and my dad passed away. He, he choked on a piece of meat, and I found him on Monday morning, spring break. He was passed out with the phone in his hand. He probably was trying to call 911. I freaked out. I got my brother. And we called 911, and my, my world changed. <laughs> my, my identity, everything about it was just going to be different forever. And I think, like, my daughter's now 13 years old, and my son's 11, and I see who they are in that age. And I'm like, that's when I lost my parents. That's the season I was in. And I think that God has brought... He's just been faithful to my life. He's brought people into my life. He's brought father figures and people to really care for me. And I've been so blessed. And I've been so blessed. But I can't be on this stage saying that seasons of your life will always be summer, will always be green. And I think that's the secret of this verse. Like imagine saying, I can get through any day through Christ who strengthens me. I can face any day. I can face any season. Every hour I need thee. Every hour I need thee. And this is a promise. This is a great promise that no matter what season you're in, no matter what circumstances you're in, you can praise greatly. You can praise greatly and find contentment knowing that God will get you through any storm. He will get you through any season that you're facing. Dr. Vernon McGee um, shares it like this. He was speaking on this verse, and he, was, um, he didn't like to travel by airplane. He would travel by train, and there was this train that went from L.A. to Chicago, and he, he says, the train can do amazing things, kind of like our life in Christ. If we are in Christ we can do all things who strengthens him. And so he, he envisions this big locomotive, but he says outside of God's will, outside of being on the railroad tracks, that huge powerful locomotive is effective greatly in how far it can go and how fast it can go. But on Christ, in Christ who strengthens you, you can do all things. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He can get you through any circumstance possible. Philippians 12 through 14 says this, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the fervorance of the gospel, 
so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. I wonder why Paul never prayed to get out of jail. Wouldn't that have been your, your prayer? Like if I'm writing churches that are praying for me, I'm, I'm like, help me get out of here. Help justice to prevail. Help me to get out of prison. Can you bond me? Can you do something? But instead, he says, this has actually worked out well. My chains are in Christ. There's been a purpose to this. There's been a unique design that God is about building our character. God is about building our character. And I believe that we can see supernatural things. That Paul was able to be with Roman prisoners and lead them to Christ. That is amazing, amazing things. John 15, 5 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're off the track, you're not going to go so far. But in Christ, through his strength and through his power, we can see supernatural miracles. There's an interesting idea. I'll kind of close with this um, thought. But in the, in the scriptures, when you're reading the gospel, sometimes it says Jesus or Jesus Christ. And sometimes it says Christ Jesus. Have you ever thought about why the, there's a difference there? Um, a lot of theologians have this idea that when it says Christ, when it leads with Christ, it's talking about the divinity of Jesus. So Jesus was all man and all God. So get this. This is kind of cool. I know we're getting close on time. But <laughs> when it says Christ, it's referring to his deity his godness. But when he's talking about Jesus, it's more of his human side. So the question is, is when Jesus did miracles, did it lead with Christ did this miracle or did it lead with Jesus, the human side, did this miracle? Which side? It was the Jesus side. It was his humanity being submitted to his father's will. He was all about God's will, his father's will in his life. And he did these miracles in the humanity of his side. And I wonder, can we do miracles? Look at, look at all these miracles. I'll just read a few here. In, um, in Matthew 8, 23, it says, Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. Jesus did. I am willing, he said, be healed, and instantly leprosy disappeared. This was like cancer on steroids. People feared leprosy, and Jesus did it because he was in God's will. He was, in, he was on the tracks. He was doing miracles. Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Another one where the, the demon possessed, so Jesus came out, uh, so Jesus cast out the demon and the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel. Nothing like this. Jesus did it. There's another um, story in, Ma in Mark 7 where Jesus led him away from the crowd and he healed a deaf and a mute person. I just think, you know what, we need to look to heaven for God to do great, wonderful things like has never happened in Glendale before. <laughs> we want his spirit to do amazing, wonderful things. And if we, can, if we can look towards heaven and we can be united, we can get on the tracks, 
I believe that all things are possible. Because look what Jesus said in John 14. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, let me ask for anything in my name and I will do it. The key is being in God's will. It's not how much faith you have. Your faith comes from God. He gives us faith. But just saying, Lord, I want to come with childlike faith, and I want to ask for this person to be healed. I want you to ask for you to move and work in this situation. I think we can do great things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? Um, the worship team can come up. But just, just to give you a question as you kind of contemplate everything, processing everything, are you in God's will for your life? Are you in God's will for your life? And that can be as simple as like, Lord, <laughs> I'm not doing perfect, but I need your help. I'm willing to respond to your help. I want to be where you want me to be. Or maybe you're feeling like, Lord, I need, I need help with understanding what it looks like to be content. Because so much of my life, I feel like I, I think on things that I want or the next fun time that I want to have. Instead of looking at all that you've given me and saying, thank you. In all ways, I want to praise God greatly. That's what Paul said. So as we stand, I'll just go ahead and close in prayer. But God, I pray that you would help us um, to be in your perfect will. I pray for unity in this church. Um, I pray, God, for you to do wonderful things in and through us. You used your son, Jesus, and Jesus said we could do greater things. So we just say we believe that. We believe that. Let us to be salt and light into this world. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, we, we have a prayer team down here. But this is just your space. We're going to sing a worship song. And I just pray that whatever God's speaking to you, just be mindful that right now he's talking and he wants your attention.